I've discovered through the years of being a pastor that counseling people and talking with people who find themselves in very troubled places often has come as a result of shutting down their relationship with God. In reality, sometimes they're the ones who's walked away from church, from studying their Bible, from praying to God. And then they come at this place of just seemingly the world caving in on them. And there is a crisis. And I find that the crisis is resolved by returning to the things that they knew they should have been doing all along. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to John chapter 20. John 20, we're picking up where we left off last week, picking up in verse 19. As we continue to look at uh, Easter in November, I talked about that last week, kind of odd to be going over the passion of our Christ going to the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. But when you teach through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, sometimes you come across these passages in the uncustomary places, like normally on Easter we'd run over these things, but I've enjoyed going over this because we've really slowed down and we've looked at the final week of Christ in a pretty thorough way. Last week we saw Mary in the empty tomb where we were reminded of the importance of beginning each day with Jesus, who can give us clarity to face the challenges of those days. Peter and John at the empty tomb, we saw last week that as we grow in our faith, we study God's word, we are being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll learn to see and believe with understanding. And finally, last week, we looked at verses 11 through 18, returning to the empty tomb. It was Mary who went back to the empty tomb. And at that time, the Lord told her, Mary, stop clinging to me. And I pointed out to you last week that when we get to heaven, the Lord will not be saying, stop clinging to me. I believe he'll open up his arms and say, come on. Let's see how good of a hug you actually have. You know, come on in. Let's have it. Well, today we're going to see the breath, call, and testimony of Jesus in verses 19 through 31. We find in verses 19 through 23, the breath of Jesus will see its impact upon the disciples' lives. In the call of Jesus, verses 24 through 29, 
will find that in matters of faith, sometimes believing is seeing. And in the testimony of Jesus, verses 30 and 31, we will discover that this gospel has been given to us and the signs that John related to us in his gospel, that we might believe in Jesus and find life in his name. I want to go ahead and read our first point, 19 through 23, and open us in prayer. John 20, verse 19, Then the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And Father, I just pray that you would be with us as we look into your word this morning. Perhaps for the majority of us, Lord, a very familiar portion of scripture. But I've discovered, Lord, throughout my life that you can teach me fresh and anew in very familiar territory. So I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive that which your spirit is saying to your church, this church, this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're looking at the breath of Jesus, and we find as John opens up on that same day, the evening when Jesus had resurrected from the grave, that the disciples were, well, they were hiding behind locked doors. And John tells us why. They were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid that what had happened to Jesus might happen to them. And so while they were hiding behind those locked doors, the same day that Jesus had resurrected from the grave and showed himself to Mary Magdalene and the other women, to Peter and the two on the road to Emmaus, now Jesus appears to them in the room. He didn't knock on the door. John didn't say, as we'll read in the book of Acts, Peter was arrested and the church was in the house praying for Peter for his release. And Peter had to knock on the door and a servant girl came to get the door, heard it was Peter, didn't open the door, but ran back in and said, Peter standing outside knocking. They couldn't believe that he was released from prison. Now, Jesus was just there in their midst. And he said to them, peace be with you. It reminds us of the words that Jesus said to his disciples after that communion meal that he had celebrated with him. And what we learned from chapters 14 to 16, known as the Lord's great discourse, that John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Has anyone ever had a troubled heart? I think we all have at seasons in our lives. I mean, that The Lord said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. The disciples behind the locked doors in that room, they had troubled hearts. They were afraid of what might come or happen to them. And yet Jesus came to them and said, 
peace be with you. And although troubled, they were troubled no more. For seeing the nail-scarred hands, his pierced side, they saw the display of Jesus' great love toward them. And then we find the commission of Jesus in verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. So Jesus repeats his peace. He, he said it before he went to the cross, said, my peace, I leave you. He said it again when he appeared in the room, and he says it again to them after he had showed them his pierced hands, his feet, and his side. He said, peace to you. And I find when the Lord repeats himself, it is really a call to attention to listen up. Listen up and receive what the Lord is wanting to teach us. Seeing Jesus die upon the cross had made the disciples hide in fear. It had made them anxious, and for good reason. And so Jesus came and said twice to them, peace to you, to help calm their fears. Paul would later write in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, sometimes we are anxious, and yet the Lord has given us a formula of what to do when we have troubled hearts, when we have anxious hearts, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. I've discovered through the years of being a pastor that uh, counseling people and talking with people who find themselves in very troubled places often has come as a result of shutting down their relationship with God. In reality, sometimes they're the ones who's walked away from church, from studying their Bible, from praying to God. And then they come at this place of just seemingly the world caving in on them. And there is a crisis. And I find that the crisis is resolved by returning to the things that they knew they should have been doing all along. This week I told someone in a similar state, I simply said, take one step with Jesus today and he'll come alongside to help you take the next step. That's all the Lord calls us to do is to take a step of faith and the Lord will come alongside to help us to take that next step. But he twice reminded them, peace be with you. And then he commissioned them, verse 21 and 22, as my father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus had been commissioned by his father, he now commissions his disciples. He sends them into the world. And we best know the great commission from Matthew 28. But do you know that every gospel has a commission passage after the Lord resurrected from the grave, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's right behind me on our uh, church model back there. But go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. We know that as the Great Commission. But Mark had his commission statement from the Lord as well. In Mark 
16, 15, and 16. It's a little larger than this, but I, I carved out these two verses. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And again, Luke, in Luke 24, 46 through 48, thus is it, it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Each gospel writer gives us a version of the commission that the Lord gave to his disciples. And yet I want you to notice in John's gospel, this is unique. Before Jesus sent them out, he sealed them with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that Jesus breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe personally that this was the moment of their salvation. The Bible tells us that uh, no one can rightly say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit having a work in their lives. But I also believe that this was the moment of their salvation because prior to this, even though they had walked with the Lord for three years, they believed that Jesus was the coming Messiah. Jesus had not yet paid the price of their sins upon the cross. He had not yet died. He had not yet been buried. He had not yet risen from the grave. But now salvation had been made available to everyone who would call upon the name of Jesus in life-saving faith. Now, this is separate than the filling of the Holy Spirit. Luke's gospel will talk about the need for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And again, Luke in Acts chapter 2 will, well, Acts chapter 1, Jesus will tell the disciples first to go tarry in Jerusalem until the power of the Spirit comes upon them. And then in 2, we learn about the filling of the Spirit in the disciples' life. The Spirit was in them. And I think that's true for each of us as we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. And it could be at that moment that you receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. You are filled with the Spirit. It could be that you believe and the Spirit enters in you and that there'll be a, a later filling of the Spirit. Personally, I believe that we're all leaky vessels. Every once in a while, we just need a boost from the Holy Spirit to just... I'm praying for that, for my life, for the life of this church. You know, I think that uh, we do well with our fellowship and what we present and how we present the Word of God from our worship team to our children's ministry to the youth ministry. But I also know that if it's just the works of our hands, we're in trouble. We need the empowering and filling of the Holy Spirit in this place if we are going to see it. Uh, ever become uh, all that we perhaps might dream it could be. But finally, Jesus empowered them. I want you to notice verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, this could be a commission that Jesus gave in particular to his apostles, the big A, the twelve that uh, they had authority that we perhaps do not have today. Jesus gives the apostles authority that perhaps in the church, we don't carry this type of authority with us today. 
It's similar to what he said to Peter in Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 18, again, he said that surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I found Matthew 18, 18 very interesting because it comes right after the Lord talking about if you have an issue with a brother or sister and he tells the church how they are to uh, deal with an issue, go to that individual, take two with you, bring it before the church. And then the Lord said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so that is a just a interesting context for that verse to be in. But it teaches us not only how to deal with the sinful brother or sister, but it speaks about the authority that the Lord perhaps gives us as believers. Now, I don't claim to have such authority. You'll never hear me say to you, your sins are forgiven you if you confess something to me, unless perhaps you're confessing some personal thing that you did to me. Then I can say, I forgive you for that. But if someone confesses in faith in Jesus Christ, I will say, based on their confession of faith, what the word of God says. And then I'll be able to say your sins have been forgiven you. It's not me forgiving them of their sins. It's Jesus forgiving them of their sins. I'm just agreeing with the faith that they have in Jesus and what the word of God teaches us. Like 1 John 1, 9 that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if a brother or sister rightly confesses their sins, then we can stand upon the word of God and say, then your sins have been forgiven. But on the other hand, if they refuse to confess and believe and in their denial, based on their denial, then a I could easily say your sins remain or you remain in your sins. Let's think about the peace that Jesus spoke about before we move on to our next point. Perhaps you have already understood the great love that Jesus has toward you. He showed through his death, burial and resurrection. And yet you have not yet acknowledged that he is your savior. You've not yet called upon him in life-saving faith. If you've not done that, then the Lord's peace cannot be upon you. But the moment we do that, and we call upon the name of Jesus, we will know his peace and the seal of the Holy Spirit will be upon our lives. And as far as the breath of Jesus is concerned, well, the impact that it had upon the apostles' lives, the disciples' lives, it brought the peace of Jesus upon their lives. It sealed them with the Holy Spirit. And through it, they were commissioned to share the gospel with others. And that same breath today can bring that peace upon us, seal us with the Spirit of God, and it commissions us to go forth and to share with others. But we also find the call of Jesus, verses 24 through 29. I'll read the context. But Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the 
print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in their midst and said to them, peace to you. And Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Poor doubting Thomas. We know him best as doubting Thomas. He's known as Didymus. It means a twin. So we have to assume that he either had a a twin brother or a twin sister out there somewhere, but we know nothing more of that. On that resurrection Sunday, Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene first, then the other women to Peter at some point, and the two on the road to Emmaus before he appeared to the other disciples behind the locked doors that we just read about in verses 19 through 23. But Thomas, we discover, wasn't with them. Therefore, he missed seeing Jesus on the first day of the week. We don't know where Thomas was. Scripture is silent as far as that is concerned. Maybe he was in hiding. Do you know the Bible tells us that they all were uh, watching Christ die upon the cross from afar, some closer to the Lord than others, but they all saw the Lord die a horrific death can imagine the impact that it would have on everyone as individuals. But Thomas wasn't with them on that first day of the week. It's a great reminder of uh, the importance of being with the body of Christ. One, you never know what you might miss out on if you're not there. That's why the author of Hebrews said, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, so much so as you see the day approaching. Do you know, I think because of online capability today, and I have a lot of websites that I monitor, a lot of teachers that I listen to, and some of these are prophecy teachers that I listen to, and they're talking about the events that's uh, shaping up in the end times, in the last days. And so I listen to people like this to stay up with what's going on in the world and in the news to learn from. But I hear more and more through these sites of people and reading some of the comments sometimes that uh, there apparently are no Bible teaching church out there in the United States. They've given up. I don't think it's true. I think it's important for the body of Christ to uh, come together, and there are online communities, and I believe those are great, but I think being in person is still better. And I think we need to come together because Hebrews 10.24 says, to stir up love and good works, to stir up. We have a duty to one another to be about our Lord's business, first within the church, stirring up love and good works within the body of Christ, but then also exhorting one another as we see the day of the Lord's return approaching. Father, thank you so much for your word and for what it teaches us. And Father, I pray that we have such faith. 
And Lord, perhaps today we just need to hear you say to our hearts, peace, be still. Perhaps, Father, we're like Thomas. We just need to see you do a work that's so great that it'll cause us to follow you all the days of our lives. Thomas heard the testimony from the others, but for eight days he did not believe until he saw you face to face. Father, if there is someone who just needs that extra a dose of faith today by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would breathe upon them and their hearts today, that they might discover that believing is seeing. And Lord, for all of us, Lord, the Gospel of John, may it continue to testify in our hearts that through these miracles that John accounted to us, the seven, that we would discover that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and through believing in you, we will find life. I pray, Lord, for each of us that we have found that life, but if there are one or two here today that does not know you as Savior, I pray, Father, today they would give their hearts to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. We'll be right back.